Welcome everyone. We are about to begin Feedback and Insights Share number 7. Email address shalombayas777 at gmail.com. What we're going to discuss today is a tremendous foundation, both in life, in developing one's personality, and it directly influences Shalom Bayes, as well as helps understand what the concept of Tznius really is. And um, it basically is a lifesaver in many ways. So um, we're going to discuss this. Um, A lot of what I'm taking here is from uh, the books and the lectures of Rabbi Manus Friedman. He is a very wise, and he has a lot of wise things to say. He says very interesting, uh, uh, often controversial type things, or people are like surprised by some of his uh, comments, but he's very wise and understands things, and um, there's a lot to learn from what he brings down in his writings and in his Shiurim, and I want to discuss now um, a big aside in borders, in having healthy borders. The first thing, um, just as a general idea, and it may seem like, you know, up in the sky, but it's not. It's directly relevant. Hashem created the world, and He wanted to create the world with Din. He saw it wasn't able to last, and He created it with Chesed. But the bottom line is, Olam Chesed Yibaneh. The main foundation of the world is chesed, and he wants us to do chesed, and chesed is connected to love, and he wants us to love. He wants us to love each other, he wants there to be unity, he wants there to be achdus. And the love, the midas ha-chesed, reigns supreme, and that is really the goal. And the question, though, is, is when you love, and you have such warm, warm emotions, and you want to help people, um... It flows over to such a degree sometimes that it could cause damage because Hashem also created the world with a system. Hashem created the world with borders, with with a structure. And paradoxically, we need to handle that chesed with borders. And that's where gevura comes in. Now, gvura, which is strength or or um, or severity, however you want to midas uh, adin, however you want to uh, say it, people are nervous about it and don't like it because it seems very um, you know severe, and you don't want to deal with severity. You want warmth, but the truth is, is it doesn't contradict each other and it protects the chesed. The perfect example of this is, by the way, in Shmona Esrei, the first. Bracha is Chesed. Mogen Avram. Avram is Chesed. The second bracha is, is, is Yitzchak, which is Gevura. And it's fascinating that even in that second bracha, it says, Mechalkel Chayim Bechesed. Hashem supports life with kindness. It says that in the second bracha of Gevura, which is about Yitzchak. Mechayim Mesim, Chiyasam one of the greatest Chasadim in the world. And we mentioned, Mashavaruach Amorid Agoshem. The Berches HaGeshem is in there. is in. So it's fascinating that Yitzchak, who is Gevura, that second bracha, that is Gevura, which usually represents severity, which usually represents Din, over here you have the most unbelievable brachas. So how is that, how is that 
makes sense. We should have all those brachas in the first bracha where it's Avram with Chesed. But nevertheless, all these brachas are in the second bracha, which is Yitzchak's bracha of Gevura. And the answer is, is that the, that's the only way Chesed could be truly activated. So, as an example, would be rainwater. Water is Chesed. Hashem wants to give us an abundance of Chesed. We have to be Kalim to be able to be Makabalit. And what happened by the Mabel? When Hashem brought the Mabel, which was a punishment for sins, and Hashem destroyed the world with the Mabel, but in the deep Hasidic interpretation of it, it really was like a mikvah to be Matar the world for 40 days. But the bottom line is it still was a force of destruction because it destroyed the world. And what did Hashem do? He used water, which is, represents chesed. And it was a ribay chasadim, but it was, it was on a complete um, a flood downward of an abundance of water without restraint that created this destruction. It's similar to these days when you have hurricanes or tornadoes besides the wind aspect of it, but the rain aspect of it, the water aspect of it, or the high tides and so on and so forth. And, 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 and floods, heavy, heavy rain, without you know, restraint, could destroy crops, could destroy food. What do you need? You need a gavura. In order to have the rain come down, that actually becomes life-giving, uh, there has to be a division in the water itself. You can't throw, out, throw down a flow of water that's unending. You need it in droplets, little droplets, drop by drop by drop. Those drops, little by little, have, as they seep into the earth, that's where it comes in. So very often, and that's really the ches, how the chesed is activated. It needs that gavura to be activated. So there are type um, of, of people that like the din part, that's their personality, they like structure. They're not into the kindness in, you know, as a strong point of theirs, because they're okay with kindness, but they, you know, they're not bad people, but they like things when they're, everything's in order and structured and rigid. And that's not healthy either, um, if that could, that could go overboard. But the other way around is also true. And it's wonderful that you value emotions. I value emotions greatly and with love and all that. It's, it's, but sometimes when you put a border on that, People think that that is l- limiting the love, but it's not. It's giving you the ability to express that love. And I want to really explain the, that when you're young, sometimes you rebel against borders, and that's understandable. Um, and I guess each one needs to learn from each other. You know, the, 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 the quote-unquote older generation, again, it's stereotypical, but, you know, general, but they need to learn how to um, broaden their horizon, to be less rigid, to infuse warmth into what they do and be more open-ended. And the younger ones and the, and the youth, they need to have those borders for their own sake. So you see this right away. When Hashem gave Klai Yisrael Eretz Yisrael, what's the first thing that happened? The first miracle that happened there was that the walls of Yerichai fell down. That's when the Mulchama was won. Once walls fall, it's all over. And everything that was inside those walls, the Klai Yisrael, it's what they could take. That's what 
borders and lack of borders, the significance of it. When the borders of the world falls, morality falls, everything falls. To have no borders is, your, is, is to live with insecurity. There needs a certain degree of insecurity for love to be nourished, for love to see, be sustained. And you need those borders that are not stifling, but necessary for the human being's well-being. And the loss of borders destroys healthy families. Family life used to have very strong borders. It was like a little world unto itself. I'm quoting some of what he's writing here, Rabbi Manus Friedman. There was a border that set the family territory apart from the non-family. What was private uh, from what was public. Family was family. Home was home. The family borders were maintained. They were strong, healthy, clear, unquestioned. They were based on loyalty, respect, and trust. But today, these borders are weakened and blurred, even in the best of families. And as a result, family life is suffering. And um, you'll see this instinctively with children too. Externally, kids, even teenagers, even older teenagers, will grumble and be upset. My mother said no to this. My father said no to this. And they will be upset. You know, when they don't want to, you know, when they want to go somewhere, they restrict them. But if the parents are not overly restrictive, but they say no when they need to say no, and the teenager is upset, and um, I think some of you teenagers, you may not admit it at the time or feel it at the time, there's a certain relief that comes with it. There's a certain relief to know that someone cares enough about you to place a restriction on, 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 and that they know where you are and what you're doing. Now, I know it's upsetting sometimes. You're having a great time with your friends, and uh, they call you or text you, you know, make sure you're back at 10.30, 11, or whatever it is, or just tell me where you are. You roll your eyes, oh, what do I need to do this for? But if the reverse, you don't have that, and they don't really, you know, no one cares where you are, and you're there till 1 in the morning, you may enjoy yourself more that night that you have that freedom but deep down in a long-term situation, there's something missing there. It's best uh, to show, I do care. I want you here. I need to know where you are. And children need the security, and teenagers, whether they admit it or not, need that security as well. And when children come home and find their mother and father there, that gives them a certain sense of peace, a certain sense of security. And these days, it's not so certain. Many in many uh, places in secular world, and people go come. You know, they leave for school. They don't know when they come home. They'll find that one or both their parents, uh, you know, just checked out and, and left. So borders and structure is necessary for ourselves as individuals, because without that, we have no definition. We have no self of. We have no sense of selfhood, and we would allow people to take advantage of us and to hurt us if we don't have borders that protect us and say you have no right to cross that border i have my human i have my individuality and you need to respect that and that protects a person and um basically that is very very important and the borders work with human behavior also so, for example, the way we conduct ourselves in life on how we feel. Now, this part is going to be very hard for some people to absorb. I honestly had a hard time absorbing it because 
By nature, I'm also an emotional person, value feelings very much. And very often, I'd like to express myself exactly how I feel. I think that's the most emotionally honest way to do it. You're upset, you express you being upset. You're sad, you express when you're being sad. When you're happy, you express being happy. And the truth is, the truth is, that sometimes you need a friend to do that for you, to listen to you on all your moods and however you're feeling at that moment, to, to, to just vent it out and let it out the way you're feeling. And by the way, that is healthy. It is healthy if someone's fortunate enough to have a friend. And if not, do it with Hashem alone when you're talking to Him. But to have a friend and when you're upset and you need to get something out of your system, you let it out and you explain it. And there's a person that's listening and accepting all your moods. That's a wonderful thing. But I'm talking now about something else. I'm talking about that in most or many situations in life, you are forced and what I mean by forced, it's a healthy forcing. You sometimes necessary to act differently than how you're feeling inside. And not only is that not phony and not fake, it's the most genuine thing that you can do. And I'm going to explain that. You know, like he says, Reverend Manus Freedom brings down the old saying that says you don't laugh at a, at a funeral and you don't cry at a wedding. You know what that means, basically? You have to establish borders with your feelings and borders with your behavior. And you can't say, oh, I'm an honest person. Right now I'm feeling terribly sad. I just read a book about the Holocaust, or I just heard a, about um, a good f- friend of mine that went, is going through something now, and I'm sad. And you, have, and you should be, feel that pain. Of course I'm saying, of course you should. But now you're going to a wedding for another friend, and there you have to sort of put up a brave front, and smile, and wish a warm mazel tov, and show how happy you are for your friend Simcha. That's what Hashem wants you to do now. So there are times, and this sounds harsh, I understand this may come across harsh or insensitive, this statement that I'm going to say now that Rabbi Manus Friedman stresses. There are times when your sadness and your happiness and your honesty are all irrelevant. Example of this is when you're at a funeral. It, no, you could be the, in the best mood you can be. You could be brimming with happiness. You just heard you won a million dollars in the lottery. You just lear, learned that um, you know, it looks like it's good and you're, you're, you know, the way it works, you got good news about uh, the date that your, your daughter's going on and it's, it's mamish uh, 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 and, and there's going to be a l'chaim mamish uh, tonight. Okay? But now you're at a levaya. Now you're going to someone's funeral. And to express happiness externally... Or to like always, you know, I'd be smiling and, you know, uh, you know, being like Shulam Aleichem and, and being all, all bubbly by a funeral. That's in, totally inappropriate, not welcome. That's cool crossing a border. And the other way around is also true. When you're at a wedding and you're supposed to do what you expect to do and you need to do what you need to do, you dance and enjoy now, I admit, sometimes I'm very tired at a wedding, and there's a lot of things on my mind, and i got to work on this. So sometimes, because Baruch Hashem, you know, pre-COVID at least it was this way, where there's such an oilim, and you could sit by your table, and if you're not, you know, you know, unless you're crying, you know, you're, you're, you, know you look normal like everyone else. And, but when you're dancing in the circle, especially if you're dancing mamish close to where the chasen and kala is, and you're ready to, 
about to dance with them or in that close circle, then there is a responsibility to, to be misameach with them. It's a responsibility to, to be happy for them. Is, that's, that's the responsibility. There's a chiv to do that. And um, that is a hard thing for people to do, to act differently than you're feeling. And what I want you to think about as we're thinking about these general terms right now, because it'll take a little time to develop these themes to explain how it does this connect with Shalom Bayis. It connects not only with Shalom Bayis, it connects with overall emotional health. It connects overall with the interactions with your children. It connects to everything. In marriage also, Yes, there are times where you need to be honest with each other, vulnerable with each other, and to express to each other how you're feeling in an honest way with each other, and that's very, very important. But when you're going through the course of the day, in many situations, sometimes you need to not necessarily act in your behavior the way you're feeling inside. Sometimes it's appropriate to do the other way around. And that is very important and very crucial. And not only is that not phony and fake, that is genuine, that is real. And that is an important side to know. And um, that is basically um, what you need to know, what MS is in general, by the way. And this is a big side. There's something called MS, but truth but the real, real truth is the truth, what, ha- what Hashem tells you, what He wants you to do, that is the ultimate MS. That is the ultimate truth. So that's why I know as Dvarim is Asa, by the way. You know something? You know, if someone um, uh, even asks your opinion about something, and certainly if you give it unsolicited and you tell him you're blunt about something and you hurt his feelings or you hurt her feelings and it was not constructive and there's no reason to do it, but the bottom line is everything you said was, let's say it is 100% true. First of all, it's very rarely the case that that's the, when you hurt somebody that it's 100% true. But let's just take it as a given now. Let's say you said something to somebody else about a fact about them that you're, you, know, you don't like them or you found a weakness in them and you were spot on. You're 100% right about it without a question whatsoever. And even in Shemaim, they would say, you know, you're right about that. But because there's an Isai Naz Dvarim, because Hashem is telling you, I don't want you to do this and cause him pain, and I want you rather to, 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 to say something else, at least be quiet, but even say something else, and that's where we come to Mutta Lashanis Shalim. You're allowed to change and not tell the truth in certain situations of Shalom. So, in a deeper level, that is the MS for now. That is the MS for now. You know, um, and, and that's very, very important. Now, you know, with uh, certain things, you have to sort of play it by ear. Let's say in the first couple of months of marriage and the wife's working on her cooking and um, certain things he doesn't like or is not cooked well, whatever it is, I don't know that we're going to talk about this later and I really got to, you know, think about this more before I give a, sh- a share on it. But to say everything's delicious and delicious, that's probably not good either because the wife actually wants to cook better. And if something didn't taste good or it was too salty or too this or too that, she really wants to hear 
so she should know next time to cook it a little differently. And, um, you know, so, 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 so there it pays to sometimes in a tactful, nice way, just with a polite way, uh, say when there's something off with it. But in many situations in Shalom Bayes, it's totally unnecessary, totally unnecessary to just point out something when there's no constructive purpose whatsoever. So how this, what I'm discussing now about the borders and about the borders is placing a borders on your feelings, placing a borders on what you say, how that relates to Tznias and Shalom Bayes, it is mind-boggling how much it's connected to it. And we're going to get into that, but that's why in this Feedback and Insight share, I want to first bring that foundation in you that you need to know that no matter how emotional you are and how much you are honest to your feelings, you need to understand. And just to um, uh, finish up, summarize this sheer, and we have to elaborate on the relevancy of this to Shalom Bayis and to Tzniyas, but this idea of that what you feel is not necessarily the way you're supposed to act and what is objectively true may not be truth because Hashem doesn't want you to do that, those are extremely important yesidas to get into your mind now, and then we will explain how that connects to Tzniyas, and how that connects to many, many dynamics in Shalom Bayis. But to give a final example of this is what the Torah says, for example, the Tzedek Tishbeit Ami Secha, you're supposed to give someone the benefit of the doubt, Okay, so as an example, uh, you saw a yid run into McDonald's, and let's say there there was no, uh, you know, it's not off the bathroom, and you saw a mamish eat the tray, whatever, whatever you saw, something really bad, and let's say the Torah is mechayiv you, you're supposed to give him the benefit of the doubt that he had to eat it because he got an had a uh, sudden attack and an ulcer or whatever the case may be, and you get a mitzvah for giving him that benefit of the doubt, so. To ask you this question, let's say in theory, Klape Shamaya. In Shamayim, Hashem knows that the truth is the opposite. That you gave the benefit of the doubt to a person because the Torah is telling you you're being Midon Lekavschus. And in Shamayim, Hashem knows that the guy was guilty. Hashem knows the guy was guilty. And so, and, and you, so, 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 so if you, Though decided not to be done the kafschos, and you say the guy's guilty, you are aver navera. You did the wrong thing by saying that. The question is, is why? If ultimately upstairs in Shamayim and it'll be revealed, you were spot on with your done the kafchayva in this particular instance. The Torah told you to be done the kafschos, but what really happened was the chayv, and you were done the kafchayva. And you basically just simply expressed the truth. You expressed what actually happened. You told the emes. The answer is Hashem is telling you, never mind. That's my business. That's not your business. You have a chiv in this instance to give this guy a benefit of the doubt that he didn't do the Avera or he didn't know what he was doing when he was doing it. Even though I, meaning Rabbeinu Shalom, I know that he did do the Avera, and he did it b'mezit, and he knew what he was doing, with no excuses, let's say that's the reality of what actually happened, Hashem will still be upset at you 
for not giving him the benefit of the doubt, for not being done lekafschos. How could that be? The answer is, is that MS, ultimately, the deepest MS is what Hashem wants you to do, whether objectively it makes sense or doesn't make sense, it becomes the MS. So when you give the benefit of the doubt, because the Torah is telling you this yid, don't blame him because kach v'kach, ulay this, ulay that, that is the MS. Not what in Shemayim Hashem knows what really happened. And it's a fascinating idea, and it's very deep. And we're going to talk maybe in future, in the next feedback or in future feedbacks, but keep this aside with you because it's going to be very important in understanding in a very practical way of what Sneas is, what modesty is, what borders are, and many, many interactions in Shalom Bayis where you want to get to the truth of something, but you know that in it's harmful to do so in this instance, and that is the truth. And we'll talk about it as a Hashem in future Shiram.